Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, everybody. I am excited to introduce you to Lance Mathena. And I think he's like, are you president of your... Uh, I'm the president, founder, and executive director of the board. Uh, Of... National American Association of Blind Sportsmen. Did I get that right? No. <laughs> no. What is it? Am I close? The North American Association. North American. Oh, my word, Cindy. Okay. <laughs> As close. There's an N. <laughs> yep. Yep. You're there. Anyway. All right. I'm going to just let you take it away. And when you're ready for Q&A, um, I'm sure people will have them. However you want to do it, you just let me know. Okay, folks can ask questions uh, the whole way through if they want. Okay. Um, that's absolutely fine. Um, one disclaimer I'd like to put out there just right up front is that the North American Association of Blind Sportsmen is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And as such, we are not allowed to be a political organization. So um, I won't be taking any political questions or um, moral issue questions or anything that would require me to uh, take a side and or render a possibly political opinion. Now, um, I started this organization uh, a little over two years ago when my story kind of came into play. My neck was messed up. I had sneezed and ruptured four disc, discs in my neck and uh, it went through emergency surgery on it. Um, the doctors were able to fuse my neck, but they were unable to unpinch one of the nerves that ran down my left arm. And uh, so it was just that whole next year was very miserable. And then I finally met another surgeon. He said he could fix it. No problem. During that surgery, um, that doctor accidentally uh, severed my left vertebral artery inside my neck. And uh, I did what everybody does at that point in time. Um, I bled out and died. About three minutes later, they got me going again, which made me something like less than one quarter of 1%, the percentage of people who actually survived something like that. So I, I got into the winter circle on that one, UPKA. And uh, um, for the next couple of weeks, I guess, after I got out of the hospital, well, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry. When he severed that uh, verte- vertebral artery in my neck, um, they didn't know it at the time, but they had created a blood clot and it lodged in the back of my brain and created a massive stroke that took um, most of my children's childhood memories from me and uh, took most of my vision and made it really, really hard to talk. Um, for quite a while. The blindness still remains. The rest of it is kind of slowly going away, but um, I still have huge chunks of memories that are lost. But about two weeks after the accident, I got home and for another couple of weeks after that, I was really ticked off at God because um, he had brought me back to life instead of just leaving me dead. I thought at the time that it would have been better for everyone involved if he had just left me dead. And uh, So I kind of moped around and moped around and moped around. And then I got hooked up with the uh, Washington State Department of Services for the Blind. And 
started taking some classes from them in home and eventually went to the orientation and training center for the Washington DSB and uh, became a full-time student there. That's where I met Julie Brandon. My first term started on her first week as director there. In the OTC, I learned to uh, dress myself in fairly matching clothes, um, take care of all those other little necessities of life like cooking and cleaning and navigating and learning to make mental maps of my surroundings and my areas. And uh, I went to guide dog school and got myself a guide dog. His name is Jagger. Um, you'll see him on the TV show. He makes cameos. And uh, I kind of retired. You know, I, I had enough money to um, survive and pay all our bills because my wife works as well. And I thought I'd just be a, a gentleman farmer out here in the middle of nowhere on Key Peninsula in Washington State. And uh, long story short on that, I after about a year realized that it wasn't going to work. I wasn't going to be able to just stay on my property and, you know, not, not interact with the outside world and decided that, well, maybe I should get a job, you know, either a volunteer job or something. And, uh, I put out a hundred and, uh, almost 150 resumes. And out of that, uh, 150 resumes, I got three interviews. The rest were just flat out, you know, denials um, because I put on my resume that I was blind. On the three interviews that I went to, they really weren't interested. They were just covering their tracks, I think, so that I couldn't sue them for not talking to me. And they just kind of met with me out of pity. You know, I even I even offered to work for those different companies for six months as an unpaid intern, and there were still no takers on that. Now, I have to tell you, I was a um, contract database administrator with the Department of Defense here at Joint Base Lewis-McChord at uh, Madigan Hospital. And so, you know, I have an education, I have an employable resume and sought after skills, but just because I was blind, I couldn't get a job. In fact, I went to the local food bank and uh, got an application from the receptionist there and had a friend of mine help fill it out. And uh, when I went to turn it into the manager, I had my hand out in front of me with the, with the resume. He just looked at me and put his hand straight in front of me, you know, with his hand up like in a stop gesture and said that uh, he didn't even want to see my application. He says there was just no jobs for someone like me, you know, that they were willing to, willing to work with. You know, there was just nothing a blind person could do for them. And it kind of ripped me up inside. I can't lie. Every place that I had tried to go to either volunteer or, or just work wouldn't take me. And I got on Facebook shortly thereafter and I started going through some of the blind chats and blind groups and uh, realized that I wasn't alone and that the vast majority of us are unemployed or mostly unemployed. And that uh, about 25% of us are living well below the poverty level. Um, as a result, because it's not that we're unskilled or that we don't want to work. It's just that people, in my opinion, are afraid of us and they're afraid of being sued if something goes wrong. So I went I went to a sportsman show a little couple months later 
and I found a local outfitter and I purchased a hunt from him for mule deer. Um, I didn't even know if I could hunt or shoot anymore at that point. Um, so I went to a gun range with a buddy of mine and it turns out because the 3% of my usable vision that I have left is down in the bottom right corner of my eye. And, uh, I, I can shoot pretty well because I can, it lines up with a hunting scope pretty well. So I went on the hunt and I met some amazing people through Okanagan Valley Guide Service. Um, good friend of mine, Jared Gibbons now in deer camp. I wasn't just uh, Pinocchio in public, you know, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a figure of public scrutiny, you know, like most of us are out in public or in, in groups of sighted folk. And uh, it made me feel really at home and gave me a sense of freedom and belonging and uh, kind of changed my life. It really did. I realized that I could do this again. You know, I don't have to stay on the couch or in the bedroom or the bathroom or the kitchen or where, wherever it is that your route takes you inside your home where you spend most of your time. I don't have to be there all the time anymore. I, I can go out and I can do. And so I went back to that outfitter the next year and I went um, on another hunt with him. And a friend of mine, Bill, um, and I were talking about Brian from Home with Heroes, which is a nonprofit organization out of the uh, Camas, Washington area um, that works with vets. And he had referred to what Brian was, Brian was doing as Brian's ministry. And those words really stuck in my head. I, I just couldn't believe that that was his ministry. And then I got to know Brian a little better, you know, over, over some time and, and uh, I realized that, yeah, this, this is his ministry. This is what he does to serve his fellow man. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to have a ministry. I was just like, you know, not a regular churchgoer. I'm a you know Christian guy, but not a regular churchgoer. And I didn't want to be branded as having a ministry or anything like that. And uh, those words, though, that Bill had spoken just wouldn't leave me alone. So finally, I began to pray about it. I would pray each day because I was in a huge uh, fit of depression and I, I couldn't get out of it with medication. I couldn't get out of it any other way that I could think of. And so I had begun praying about it. Well, I prayed about this issue too. And uh, it kind of came to me that you should do something about it. You should find a way to share this, you know, this love for the outdoors and the enjoyment that you get from it. You should find a way to share that with other people. And so the North American Association of Blind Sportsmen was born. We started working initially um, locally here in the Washington area and Western Washington, uh, a little more specifically. And we started going out on fishing trips. You know, I would do, uh, do group talks like at the other blind organization in town and you know, places like that and tell them about what I do and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And we got some volunteers and we got a few members right off the bat. So we started doing things like going fishing and camping and going out on small hunting trips or, you know, guided hunting trips around the state. And um, the organization began to grow and we started thinking, well, you know, maybe we should, we should put this on Facebook. So, 
um, somebody will know what we're doing. You know, maybe we can reach more people. And uh, boy, that worked out pretty well. Um, we started gaining a little traction there. So then we thought, hey, what do you think would happen if we were to professionally film this and, you know, these adventures and the people on them and see if we can get it on television and maybe reach instead of 20 or 30 or 40 people, maybe we can reach a thousand or a hundred thousand or maybe even a million people. And uh, that's where um, Adaptive Pursuits television came to life from. Now, what I had to do at that point is I had to go out and start finding sponsors um, to provide us with equipment um, so that we could do this. Because as blind folks in general, we, gen we, we tend not to come with a lot of camouflage. You know, if, I think if all of us look in, look in our dresser, we might come up with 10 or 15 of us maybe that, that have some camouflage clothing in there. So I had to attract sponsors for all of the things in the areas that we would need, like sleeping bags, camping equipment, um, you know, fishing poles, fishing tackle, fishing gear, hunting gear, you name it. We had to find it. You know, if, it, if an outfitter didn't provide it, we had to. And uh, so we got it all together. You know, it was a it was a long road in getting it all together. But um it came to the time a year ago where we decided, okay, it's time to go national and we're going to get it on TV. So we had been approached earlier. Um, one of the outdoor sports networks had seen some of our stuff on the internet. And uh, so I called that guy up and we made a deal to get it on television. Um, and by the way, for folks that don't know how that works, um, Going on the on the smaller networks is not free. It's not a uh, million dollar paycheck. It costs you money to the tune of about three thousand dollars a week to have your show on the air. However, there are tons and tons of different advertising and sponsorship and donorship uh, opportunities that come along with that. So you can offset those costs in order to make it happen. Um, but you have to be fairly well connected in the industry. Otherwise, it kind of it kind of fizzles out on you. And uh, two weeks ago, the, the show started airing on television. And uh, my buddy Tom Fisher and I were listening with our families and, you know, watching the first episode. And about 20 minutes into the show, we got a call from a gentleman named John in Oklahoma. And Tom picked up the phone and was talking to him and he came in and grabbed me and said hey you need to hear this and i was really surprised because we're in the middle of the first episode of our television show and he put john on the speaker and um from his speech patterns it's obvious that john had uh, an emotional reaction to the show and he told us that uh, he had um diabetic retinopathy and uh, he was losing his vision quickly. And, you know, lo and behold, I had Tom standing right there. And that's the same thing kind of that happened to Tom was diabetic retinopathy. And so we were, we were able to commiserate with him. And he, with his dad and son, owned a $6,000 hunting ranch in Oklahoma. And uh, he says he has trophy class elk and whitetail and muleys there. And uh, he invited us to come on down. 
He said he wanted to give back to the community um, based on what he had seen on our show and invited us to bring some of our members down. And I just thought that was amazing. I really, really did. A ton of members in the first week were still picking up a ton of members from people who are watching the show and hearing about it. Um, hopefully we pick up some members here, but uh, if not, there's plenty of time, folks. We have the rest of our lives to live. Um, but uh, it's been really, really fun getting to know the new people who are coming on because they invariably call or something or when, when we see them pop up as new members on the website, uh, we tend to contact them as well just to welcome them. Um, that's been a blast. And I thought, you know, after the first week or so, I thought, yep, this is going to go a little slower than we thought, but it's going to go just fine. And over the course of the last week, we have gotten calls from probably, I'd say 15 or 20 different major sponsors and manufacturers in the, in the outdoor industry, all of whom have seen the, the episodes and they said, hey, this is just amazing what you guys are doing. Um, we want to get involved. So one of the things I'm super happy about is that even if only 50% of the people who say that, you know, the companies that say they want to get involved actually get involved, it will help double our reach this year. We'll be able to uh, provide adventures for a whole bunch of new people. And I am just super duper excited about that. Um, so, Lance, this is Cindy, and I have a, a question or two. Huh? Um, so, where is your show being run? Where could we watch your program? Um, you can watch it on the Sportsman Network. It's called the Sportsman Channel. Okay. Um, or you can catch it on demand, depending on your cable provider. And uh, eventually, you'll be able to watch it on what they call the My Outdoor TV app on the uh, on your iPhone. Okay, so it's a, the Sportsman channel? Uh-huh. Okay. And then what uh, is the cost of membership and what does it come with? What happens if I become a member? What happens if you become a member? Okay. Uh-huh. The cost of membership is really, really high. It costs $25 for a lifetime membership. Um, now, I say that as really, really high in that I know for a lot of us out there, 25 bucks is a chunk. You know, for some of us, it's not quite as big of a chunk, but it is a chunk. And what happens after, after you go on nabs.org, that's www.naab as in boy, s as in sam.org, and uh, you click on become a member and uh, it takes you through the process. You'll receive a welcoming email. It'll have your member number on it. And it'll also have an invite to go back on the website and start applying for any events that are out there. There's an event tab right on the website. And uh, right now we don't show a super huge amount of events going on, but that's because we're living in COVID America at this point. We don't know in Washington state or in basically any of the other states that we normally put on events in um, how it is that we're going to make these events 
come to fruition uh, with the added restrictions of six foot distancing from other people. And um, because we're from Washington, believe it or not, um, people think that we're automatically infected. So a lot of the out-of-state outfitters and guides are kind of like rolling their eyes at us right now and going, you're going to bring a pile of people from Washington to go over here and go fishing or hunting or camping, and you're going to be staying on my property. And they're a little weird about it. So as things uh, progress and turn out, we'll be loading more and more events on there. Um, what I can tell you right now is that um, in October of this year, we will be doing nine different deer hunts. Six of those will be mule deer. Three of those will be um, whitetail in Indiana. And then uh, we have a, just a bunch of turkeys that we're going to be hunting down there in Mississippi this spring, early spring. And then we'll be hunting in in Illinois and Washington as well for turkey this year. And then we have fishing season, uh, which comes up here. Well, it's actually now in western Washington. Um, but we've got a lot of steelhead and salmon trips that we're working on. Um, we do have all of the COVID regulations worked out as far as fishing guides go and how many people that can be in their boat and distancing and safety on top of that. And uh, so there's there's going to be some pretty cool things happening coming up, but there isn't a huge amount on the website right now because we're still waiting to figure out what's going on because these hunts and these fisheries um, tend to cost a fair amount of money. And if you... Um, pay the or pay the outfitters or the guides up front. They tend to uh, hem and haw when it comes to getting your money back if they can't or they aren't allowed to um, provide the service in the way that they you know that they had signed up to. And so uh, we're kind of holding on to you know what money we have and what fund or what funds we have to make sure that we'll be able to provide hunts and everything for when COVID kind of relaxes. So my next question. Uh, so you mentioned Indiana and Mississippi. What other states besides Washington have you done or hope to have planned scheduled activities in? Okay. In Washington state, we will be hunting for um, deer and turkey in uh, Illinois will be hunting for turkey and possibly deer this year. In Indiana, we'll be doing deer and turkey. In Mississippi, we'll be doing deer and turkey. We've got um, a fishing trip coming up this year in Georgia. We've got fishing coming up in Florida. Um, we've got a couple of pig hunts going on in Texas this year. We'll also be doing some redfin fishing in Texas this year. Um, and that's, okay. that's just kind of so an idea. If somebody now. wants to participate in one of those events and they don't live in the area, do you help with planning for, you know, for them, like places for people to stay? How, how do you charge people to do those kinds of activities? Oh, well, that's, that's the beauty of NABs. We don't charge people to do those activities. 
Um, when you sign up for NABS, you pay your $25 lifetime membership fee. And that's the only fee that comes out of your pocket. If you put in for the drawing on any event and you're drawn for that event, and you can put in for as many as you want, but realize that you probably only go on one or two a year if, if you're drawn. Um, but when you're notified of your name being drawn, we'll call you up and we'll say, you know, and send you an email and say, hey, we have selected your name to do this. Are you still looking to do that? Is that still something you want to do? And then we'll give them the dates and where it's at. And we'll get all of their person, you know, all of their information that we need because we'll pay for plane tickets. We'll pay for food. We'll pay for lodging. Um, we get folks' sizes as far as clothing sizes, uh, depending on the hunt for, for a fishing show, you really don't need uh, a whole bunch of camouflage. But on a on a hunting adventure, um, like I said before, most folks don't come with most blind folks don't come with camouflage. So we ask them for their sizing um, so that we can provide them with everything they're going to need while they're there. There's you know, we make sure you've got lots of heavy clothing you know, good sleeping bags, everything that you're going to need, because it is just one of the worst things in the world to go out on the adventure of a lifetime and be miserable. So we don't leave that to chance and we cover everything. Does anybody have a question? Um, I want to share how to raise your hand in case, in case anybody wasn't at our convention and don't know how to do this. If you're on a phone, it's star nine. If you're on the app, it's, well, there's the raised hand button in the middle of your phone. If you are on the computer, well, there's people that know how to do it. It's alt Y. And if you're on a Mac, it's option Y. So we do have a couple of raised hands. And let's see, three of them, as a matter of fact. Okay. All right, Vicki. Hi. Hi, Vicki. Couple questions. First off, um, do you need like a firearms or gun license for the hunting? Generally, yes. There's a there's an age limit. Uh, normally, it's if you were before, if you were born before 1972, um, you don't have to have a firearm safety permit. Otherwise, if you're born after 72, you have to have a firearm safety permit. That's usually a one day class, and a lot of states will let you take it right on the internet. Okay, because okay, um, I, I did have a gun license that I think is probably expired, but it's really funny because I just got it as a joke just to see if I could get it, mm-hmm. and I, and so I did get it, and I never used it. It was just, like I said, I got it as a joke <laughs> just to see if I could get it, and yeah. and I did get it. So I was just wondering then if I have it, would I have to re- get it renewed? And how would you go about doing that? Well, I, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about there on your on your gun license. What are you talking about, a concealed carry permit? I'm not sure what kind of permit it was. I just know that it was a gun card that I okay. had. All right. Well, in order, if you're if you're born after 1972, you're going to need to complete a hunter safety course. And like I said, most most states will allow you to do that online. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, that part is up to you. Um, they're usually free, um, but sometimes they're you know five or ten dollars to take that class. 
As far as your hunting license for whatever state you're going to be hunting in, whether it's your native state or another, and or your game tags, um, the North American Association of Land Sportsmen pays for that 100%. You don't have to have your own rifle or fishing pole or anything like that. Any of that stuff that is necessary, NABS will provide you as well. All right. And we're going to somebody I'm anxious to hear. <laughs> uh, Steve Heeson. How's it hey, going? Good to be on. Oh doing my great. gosh. Yeah. Doing, it's good to hear great. you, my friend. All right. You too. Um, I'm from the beautiful state of Wisconsin, about 12, I live in Janesville, about 12 miles north of Illinois. So the Illinois events and even Indiana, any of the events sound interesting to me. And I was born in 77, so I would go through those classes. And um, I have two blind children, 12 years and 8 years old. Is there an age limit to be be eligible? There really is not. If you or, um, you know, as as one of the parents, if they're under 18, you would be required to accompany them and um, assume responsibility for them. Um, Okay, and... Do they have to be blind as well, or could any of my children take part? Because I have two blind children, and the rest are sighted. So, okay. Well, we we specialize in working with uh, blind and vision impaired individuals. But that being said, um, we have spouses and significant others come with members all the time on adventures, and okay. we don't have any problem with that whatsoever. So if you know, if if your blind kids have other siblings that um, would like to come along and I can completely see where you wouldn't want to to be able to do this and the other ones you just go, no, sorry, Chuck. Sure. Your eyes work. You're not you're not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you yeah. know, if if you had a situation like or if you have a situation like that, let us know in advance. And the odds are that we can tailor an event to get your family out. All of you. Awesome. My uh, 12-year-old is a leukemia survivor and deals with, he's doing well now. He's blind, but he deals with some other issues like depression and things like that. I think just the him being outdoors and doing something and seeing the result of it and mm-hmm. hanging out with other people who have numerous challenges and being successful would be, would be a godsend. And Thank you, sir, for your service, and thank you for getting this thing started and being involved, and I'm very excited to be on the call. And, and Steve, I think this would be really awesome for you, just you and your son, to do. Is that Josiah? Is that right? So, yeah, Josiah's 12. Yeah. Matthew's so you, you and Josiah should do something special. I mean, you know, he's 12. That'd be awesome. That'd be so yeah. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's finding himself sitting out of a, of a lot of the um, events yeah. that are going on. Wouldn't that be but amazing? With, yeah. Absolutely. And Wisconsin yeah. is such a great place to fish and hunt. It's it's beautiful. And so is Washington, where I lived for a while, too. And I miss everybody there. So if we can get something going on up here, uh, that'd be beautiful. All right. Well, absolutely, Steve. Let, let's let's talk about it. You know, can't, shoot me a line on uh, the website. Hey, or you're $25 there, Steve. <laughs> yeah. I will do that. That sounds yeah. like a pretty I, good deal. Hey, man, no I brand. don't even know if I'll ever do this, but I'm going to go pay my $25. I mean, what the heck? It's a life membership. <laughs> yeah, it's a life membership. For lunch. You might increase yeah. the rate of that. <laughs> you never, yeah. exactly. I want to do it before the price goes up. 
All right. Thanks, Steve. Well, thank you. Take care. You bet. Steve, uh, just one last comment. One of the things that we uh, come across on a fairly regular basis is the folks that join the organization um, somewhere down the road or in their travels have contact with uh, service providers for, you know, hunting and fishing and things like that. And uh, we always encourage folks to tell those guys about what we do and give them a phone number or give them a website. And uh, about half of our opportunities that we come across are from uh, word of mouth. And it's sure it, yeah, it's a very good sense. thing. Now, as far as your kids go, later this season on our television show, Adaptive Pursuits TV, you're going to see an episode about Mark and Owen. Um, Mark is the dad and Owen is the son. And uh, I don't want to spill too much of their story, but uh, Mark is a professional fishing guide here in Western Washington. And Owen has uh, bilateral nystagmus with albinism, ocular albinism. And uh, they were fairly close when Owen was growing up. And then um, after Owen turned into a teenager and started to smell and sweat and all those kind of things that, you know, as young males do, um, he kind of drifted a little bit apart from his dad. And um, I, I didn't know Owen at the time. I knew Mark because he volunteered to work with us. Um, at NABS. And, uh, you know, I realized after talking to Mark that there might be a gap between him and his son, even though they love each other a whole bunch. And so on a turkey hunt in Omlak, Washington this year, I invited both of them. And, I, you know, Mark was kind of like, okay, do I need to guide? What do you, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, no, I want you to hunt with your son. And they got to spend four days together out in the woods and uh, the result is just the result was just incredible. But you have to watch that episode to figure that out. I'll, I'll leave that there. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. Hi there. Lance. Hi, Julie. Hi there. <laughs> and you know how I feel about you and your organization, so I don't have to tell everybody that. But anyway, Okay, thanks very much. I'm just so excited. Um, a couple questions. Is there a way that members can donate as far as provide funds and monies back for yeah, you? No, no. And then I also Ab, wondered if yep, Ab, I'm absolutely you go on the website www.naab is in boy s is in sam.org and just click on the donate tab and it'll walk you right through it right there. Oh, I, I okay. That means I need to do it now since I asked, don't I? <laughs> I for sure will. <laughs> anyway, Lance, I just want to say um, to anybody listening, you are a phenomenal example of someone who took, and the old adage goes, took lemons and made lemonade. Um, you're quite a guy, and thank you for doing this. It's so exciting, and I'm so excited to hear how, how far-reaching it is nationally. So, And hi, Steve. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Julie. Hi, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> I said hi to you since I said hi to Steve. <laughs> hey, right. Julie, what are you and Nathan doing two weeks from now? Oh, I've already talked to Tom. And huh? yeah, we're planning on, at this point, planning on going. So we'll be talking to you about it. Outstanding. Yeah, we're going to um, go fishing with him, you guys. Doesn't that sound fun? Oh, my gosh. You're going to be doing that on my birthday. Uh, oh, right? well, 
I'll catch a yeah. fish for you. Uh, yeah, and, and package it up and, <laughs> and send, send it to, it to you. Yes. Okay. Please make sure it's completely filleted and no head on it or anything like that. Oh, no, no, I want to send the whole fish. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, thanks, thanks for really. doing this and thanks, Cindy, for organizing it on that. Yep, you bet. You're thanks, absolutely Julie. welcome. Thanks, Julie. Uh-huh. All right. You know, and we're doing a... A two-day camping and steelhead trip with Julie and Nathan. Um, Wonderful. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Really, really, really. Okay. Are there any other questions? There is. Okay. Frank, you can unmute. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Cindy, I feel like uh, we're friends now, I, man. I uh, guess, man. <laughs> an amazing week. You do it tremendous. Yes. Well, you know, uh, I'm still on the high. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, <laughs> no, actually, that's how I said, let uh, me get on this community call. I'm glad. Was, uh, I'm glad. But um, what a service. What an unbelievable thing this is. Um, I was wondering... Uh, how do you do this? Like, how do you walk the trails? Uh, is it sighted guide? Do you use Wayfinder apps? How does that work? Well, we use Blind Square as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you can drop pinpoints with Blind Square, and it won't take you down the trail or the dirt road, but it'll it'll get you to the edge of the blacktop and then tell you it's about four hundred yards that way. Um, wow! So that that works out pretty well. In my case, I have a little bit of usable vision, and on the as an example on the TV show, you'll see me walking in the opening se- sequence in the opening minute and a half um, with the guide, and you'll see that my head is pointed at the ground about three feet in front of me, mm-hmm. and that's where the guide's feet are hitting the ground. <laughs> you know, I I only have a small area of vision that um, at at Four feet in front of me diagonally is about as big as a tennis ball. Wow. So I watch where the guide's feet hit the ground and, you know, watch if they go up, you know, and they come back down and they don't come as far back down. I know we're going uphill or there's a lump there. Um, We also do sighted guiding. Mm -hmm. Um, All of our guides have been trained by myself. All the guides with the different guide services have been trained by myself in how to work with blind folk, you know, and around blind people. And do you take your guide dog with you or do you allow guide dogs to come? How does that work? On fishing trips, you can keep your guide dog with you um, right by your side the entire time, as long as you don't mind him going on the boat. Um, Mm -hmm. the The boat captains have been... Um, talk to, and we've helped them understand that when that dog has to go to the bathroom, you need to go to the bank. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and that's that's not that's not a that's not a question. It's like, no, the dog's got to go. We got to we got to go take care of our buddies. And I'm sorry, one more thing: that the salmon uh, fishing will be happening when the salmon fishing will be happening starting this month, all the way through into October. Is that and in are Washington? You still Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, I said, are you still um, taking people? Uh, um, absolutely. Know? We we don't even have any fishing trips listed on there right now, but we will have um, within the next couple of weeks. Okay. You know, Thank you we'll very much, man. Wow. Hey, Frank, Tremendous. where do you live? I'm in New York, jazz vocalist. Uh, so I'll be crooning for those fish. <laughs> oh, man. Is, are those salmon fishing trips? Where are those at? Um, those are on the Columbia River. Okay. 
Beautiful. And uh, the steelhead that we we go for a lot is um, on the cowlets, and uh, we also fish steelhead and uh, salmon on the Upper Columbia in Eastern Washington. Uh, we fish for shad on the Columbia. Um, all kinds of good stuff. We even do, you know, because we have a little bit of saltwater around here, we do some saltwater fishing as well. And uh, for Karen Santiago from the Blind Perspective online newspaper, yes, Karen, we are working on fishing in New York and in <laughs> the Northeast. So, all right. Yeah, Carrie. Carrie. Yes. Hi. Um, there you I'm are. from Rhode Island. I've always been interested in hunting i've done fishing before but i'm not sure how a blind person would hunt i think you've explained it a little bit but uh you kind of could clarify if there's any techniques or anything like that that'd be great oh absolutely um we generally will work from a stationary position meaning that we'll be sitting behind some brush or kind of covered up by a little bit of brush or in a hunting blind <clears throat> And we will have a tripod sitting in front of the hunter. Okay, now they will have their crossbow or their rifle or shotgun, depending on what you're, what you're hunting, sitting on that tripod. And on that rifle, there is going to be either an AccuFire Noctis V1 scope or there will be a... Um, little bow peep scope from Omega Sites. And those sites have video screens on the on the shooter's end of them where the reticle would normally be. That way we have a spotter seated right next to our shooter and they can see what the scope sees without having to be in line with the scope because it's kind of, you know, just a small TV screen. And so the the spotter will be calling out um, directions to the shooter, little left, little right, little up, little down, lot left, lot right, you know, depending on what the situation is. And by doing that, our hunters are able to harvest their own game without any physical help from anybody else. You know, you are completely in control of, um, you, you know, your, your rifle. You know, there's nobody doing it for you. They're just they're just helping you going, OK, you know, a little bit more to your left or whatever it takes. Their job is to get you there. And uh, I'll tell you what, in the two years that we've been doing this now, um, we are 24 for 28 on Turkey. And we are, uh, let's see, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, we're 14 out of 16 on deer. So. You know, if if we're lucky enough to get a game animal in front of us, the odds are we're going to be taking it home, Carrie. Wow. Pretty cool. All right. Thanks, Carrie. Ah, here's somebody I know well. All right. Merry month of May. Hi, Holly. Hi, darling. I have two questions. Can the person who is taking, it says after 72 being born, you have to go take a hunting safety class, right? Yes, Can a person take it if they're born before that time? I mean, or do they have to pay for it? Can you take it if you're born before that time? Absolutely, you can take it, but you're not legally required to. Can you can hear you? me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I have we, heard, we heard you. Go on. Okay, I have another question. Okay. Um, if you catch something, God, you know, I wouldn't. I kill, I'm not coordinated, but if I caught something, <laughs> are we responsible for taking its guts out and taking its skin off and all that stuff? No. 
No, that's that's a service that the guides provide. Yeah, you're you're required to uh, to deal with any any entrails or um, leaking fluids or anything like that. You're insulated from that. Well, as a follow up question, if I went somewhere like Indiana and I actually shot a deer, um, mm-hmm. uh, who gets that deer meat? Where does that go? Do I get any of it? Well, that right there is up to you. Um, we always provide for taxidermy in the firm in the form of European mounts. We have the we have the skull mounted for you with the horns. Um, we pay for that in taxidermy. If you want a different service and it costs more money, well, we paid for X amount of money. You know, we paid for as much as the European mountain cost. The rest is on you. Um, if you want to donate the meat from the hunt, um, we always, always, always provide opportunities for you to do that, whether it's through a local church or a local food bank or um, you know, we we search through the organizations that we work with and we find family members of the guides or things like that who are in a situation where uh, a load of meat would be, really be a blessing. All right. And so we um, make sure we that still that's have lots, lots of raised hands. So, OK. OK. Kay. OK. I have a couple of questions for you. One do you ever need more volunteers or anybody like that to, to help you, you know, with, or have you got things pretty much uh, figured out or are you ever looking for volunteers? You know, as a nonprofit organization, we can never have enough volunteers. Um, so please, you know, sign up as a volunteer and, um, you know, it's, it's the same kind of situation as a volunteer as it is for the, for the members themselves, you know, the unsighted members. Um, if we, if we have a need for your services in another area or another state, um, we'll pay all your expenses to get there and back. Okay. I I just know of a lot of people that would really be interested in something like that. Um, my other question is, is I am actually originally from Wisconsin and I'm down here in uh, Missouri and I'm more familiar with handguns than I am, you know, rifle, shotgun, uh, crossbow. Yeah. I'm familiar with that as well. But mm-hmm. um, do you actually sit down and let's say I don't have a whatever weapon is necessary for whatever um, hunting I'm on. Um, you supply the, the weapon or the, whatever it is. But do you actually go over the, the breakdown and the whole uh, operation of it and exactly what's required and so on and so forth just to familiarize the person with it? Absolutely. Before you go on an actual rifle hunt or shotgun hunt or something like that, um, you will be going to the range before the hunt. Okay, cool. And All right. you'll, be, you'll be familiarized with it and you'll have the opportunity to fire it several times. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You bet, Kay. Thank you. All right. Eugene, you're unmuted. Yep. Okay. Uh, a couple questions. Do you have anything uh, that's going to be going on in the south, uh, such as Florida or Alabama or Georgia? We will be fishing in Florida and Georgia this year. Um, we have uh, right across the state line from Alabama is Mississippi. We have a um, 600-acre lease there near Scuba, Mississippi, um, that we do deer and um, turkey hunting on. 
and we're always talking to more folks um especially especially i'm trying to get into the into the southeast um we're always talking to more folks and trying to come up with more and more um hunting and fishing adventures down there as well i know in florida here they have the uh, green swamp and they have a lot of pigs in there mm-hmm. um, not sure how good they are um but that fishing for florida would that be uh, saltwater or freshwater because we do have a lot of lakes I'm thinking that it would probably be a combination of both um, because they're, you know, Florida isn't a very wide state. So, you know, getting from one side to the other or getting from a lake back to the beach or to the, to the airport is usually not that huge of an issue. Yeah. And I, I was off the call for a minute ago. Uh, I had a phone call coming in, but you were mentioning about uh, Hunter's course the, uh, over a certain age. Yeah. If, on, on a national basis, if you were born after 1972, oh, okay. um, you have, you're you required to have your hunter safety card with you in order to get a license or a tag in another state. Oh, okay. Um, thank you, Carver, Eugene. All right. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, Eugene. You're welcome, Cindy. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, Jasmine here. Sorry. Okay. Got a little behind myself here. All right. Yeah, here we're going to California. Chris, you can unmute. Howdy, Lance. How you doing, brother? Um, I'm doing good, Chris. An- interesting you, story. I saw that on your website real briefly. A sneeze started this all. So um, yeah. I, I just want to give props to you for it real quick on that. But uh, my question is, um, do you guys provide any um, firearm you know, licensing per state, like any laws that pertain to somebody that wants to get into owning a firearm. I mean, I know this is hunting and stuff like that, but obviously clearly you need to, you know, get into owning and operating, learning how to safely maintain your weapon of choice uh, for hunting. So I was just curious if you had resources on the website that you, uh, that was provided in the email today. Uh, Thank you. You you know, Chris, I, uh, that's something that I should do. Um, I could put it, put up a tab on the website that will show you uh, your DNR or your office of fish and game, depending on your state and what they're. Yeah, it's a little tough out here in California, as you know. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I thank you, you know, very much. I, I will make it a point to get that posted for you. Um, but um, we, as far as familiarity with the weapon or the system or anything like that, we'll we'll teach you whatever you need to know. Awesome. Thank you. you Thanks, bet. Chris. Thank you. All right, and. Vicky's back. There she yes, is. Yes, I'm sorry, but I do have another question. Um, sure. How long usually are your trips? Fishing, fishing trips usually are two to three days. Hunting trips usually are three to five days because you know it's it's something that doesn't. It's not like fishing when you're out hunting. It's it's easier to catch a fish than it is to uh, catch a big big game animal. So we run those a little bit longer. Um, but usually it's either two to three days for fishing or three to five for hunting. Okay, thank you. You bet. All right. I have a question. Um, so how many people normally go on one of your trips? Well, it kind of depends on, on the trip. Um, but I like to keep them for any kind of hunting. I like to keep them down to three or four at a time. We had, uh, like, the, to give you an idea, we for turkey season here in Washington, we had 18 people scheduled to come in and hunt. And uh, what was required or what would have been required if, if COVID had, hadn't made us change that was that every three days we had uh, transportation 
arranged to and from Spokane, Washington to the international airport. So we'd bring them in in groups of three and then gotcha. every three days, yeah, one group of three sense. would leave and another one would come in. All right. All right. We only have a couple minutes left um, and there are no more raised hands. So do you want to, uh, we do have one more raised hand, of course. <laughs> All right. Wendelin. It's going to be real quick. Um, All right. for, for, uh, first off, just a thank you. I'm, I'm an outdoorsy person. I'm like, jumping on my skin happy right now um but uh as far as area of the country i think you said something about the the northeast that you're trying to get some stuff organized there i'm actually Mm -hmm. in maryland do you have anything currently in this area are you looking in this area or is that kind of would be included in what you're thinking for the northeast well i don't have anything currently in that area and i have not looked specifically at maryland but if you know some folks, by all means, have them get in touch with us or give us give us contact information for them, and we would absolutely love to work something out. All right. So, Lance, last two minutes. What do you want to share? Okay. <laughs> I'm probably not supposed to do this, um, but because of my organization and because of my, my thoughts, I would like to thank God and... Uh, his son, Jesus Christ, for the opportunity to serve my fellow man, to serve the blind and vision impaired communities in America and Canada and Mexico. And uh, I absolutely encourage each and every one of you to sign up and apply for the adventures. Now, I am a Christian man. This is a Christian organization, but we do not preach. If you want to talk about religion, you're going to have to bring it up to me because I'm not going to bring it up to you. Um, We're a Christian organization in that it has to do with my relationship with God, not yours. Um, So please don't feel like you're going to get preached at or anything like that. Please take the chance and get out of your box and start living your lives again. The North American Association of Blind Sportsmen Adaptive Pursuits TV on the Sportsman Channel and www.naab as in boy, s as in Sam, dot org. I really look forward to seeing all you wonderful brothers and sisters out there in the field. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you so much, Lance. That's great. I am going to go sign up. I'm serious. Okay. I'm, the idea, so I have to tell you... <laughs> I don't know that I could hunt anything because I don't want to touch anything that's dead. <laughs> oh, and I, okay. I wouldn't mind fishing, but I don't want to touch anything either. <laughs> I just yeah. want to sit on the boat and enjoy it, you know, and like with the fishing pole in my hand, I don't mind doing that. But, yeah, you're absolutely able to do that with one of the adventure with us. But I'm going to, I'm going to sign up, you know, that'll be okay. fun. 